matter how old you are, if you're saved, you're going to have some battles. Amen. Good thing to know that the Lord's with you. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles tonight to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. Joshua chapter number one. And uh, we're going to begin a little something here this evening. You know, in Sunday school, we're doing a, a doctrinal study. And on uh, Wednesday nights, we're doing a foundational study. And Sunday morning, we're getting our faces ripped off. And so I figured maybe Sunday night we could give something to build our lives on. Something that's going to help us. Amen? So uh, Joshua is a, is a great character in the Bible. And he offers us a lot of insight into the kind of person we ought to be. He was not without his failures. But Joshua is a special book in the Bible because it's the dividing place between the books of the law, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible that Moses wrote, and the beginning of the recording of the history of Israel. And in the book of Joshua, everything prior to the book of Joshua was to Israel before they entered into the land. And the book of Joshua is to Israel as they're entering into the land. And of course, in a spiritual context, we oftentimes liken the land of Canaan that God promised to the children of Israel to that just abundant life that we have as believers in Christ. And uh, sometimes it's likened to the land of Canaan, and, and that's because it is the land of promise, and we're promised a land, amen? Uh, but really, the, the primary application of the land of Canaan is just that victorious Christian life. And Joshua was the man who led the children of Israel into that land of promise. And so we're going to look here in the book of Joshua a little bit. Joshua is the transitional book of the Old Testament. And they're transitioning here from the law books into uh, this period of, of Jewish history that begins with the book of Joshua. And, you know, really before you can look at what was recorded, Joshua probably being the main author of the book of Joshua, which I don't really get hung up on that stuff too much. I don't care who wrote it. I know God inspired it and gave it to us. Amen? But the character of Joshua... He demands a little bit of attention before we get into what Joshua did and how Joshua led God's people. And tonight, I just want to give you a few different ways that Scripture portrays to us uh, this man Joshua. And these all come from the, the first five books of the Bible before we actually get to the recording of the history of Joshua here. But you notice that after, in verse 1, the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. And there's another joke. You can tell all your friends why. You know, who is the only man in the Bible who had no parents? It was Joshua, the son of Nun. Amen? So. <laughs> that was about as bad as the joke as you pulled on me right there. Right past my water bottle, please. So we're going to go back to the first mention of Joshua, thank you, in the Bible. And that's in the book of Exodus chapter number 17. Now, any Bible student knows that the first place a subject or a person or something is mentioned in Scripture is significant. And oftentimes it will set the trend of that word or verse or person or thing within the context of Scripture. And when we find a Joshua the first time, it certainly sets uh, the context 
for who Joshua is in Scripture. And young men, young ladies even, you know, we, we portray all of these heroes in this life and, you know, Hollywood tries to portray superheroes and all. I, you know, I've never been much impressed with superheroes. I don't know about anybody here, but I do not have any superhuman strength. I can't go fast. Amen? I can't be invisible. I don't have a hammer that can earthquake the world. I do not have any of these things. So I hate superheroes. Nobody has superpowers here. Joshua, though, was a hero. He didn't need superpowers. He had the power of God. And so forget about all those heroes that this world puts out there, whether they be sports stars or power lifters or, you know, the great minds of this world. The Word of God has some heroes for you to look up to, and Joshua is one of those heroes. Joshua is one of those men. Now, Exodus chapter 17, verse number 9, we find uh, Joshua showing up for the very first time. And by the way, us old guys, we need heroes too. Amen? My dad is my hero. He's one of my heroes, my dad. He's a good man, a faithful man, and I've seen him go, go through all kinds of things and just keep soldiering on for the Lord. He's a hero. Amen? And you, you do well to put your... Uh, um, your um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but your admiration into the right place. Amen? Exodus 17, verse number 9. The Bible says, And Moses said unto Joshua, that is the first time you're going to find Joshua in your Bible. And Moses says to him, Choose us out men, then go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So the first thing you need to see here in this hero of God is Joshua the military man. Joshua the military man. He was a fighter. Amen. When he shows up in the Bible, uh, there is no, um, there is nothing, no history about his parentage. There's no significance of earlier history within his life. There's no telling us of his piety, of his spiritual life. There's really nothing. It's just Moses has a fight coming up with Amalek, and he calls on Joshua. And, and so this is where we first find Joshua. He's a military man. And there's some things that I think that we ought to see from this passage where, you know, all of a sudden Joshua just shows up here. Evidently, Joshua had already attracted the attention of Moses and had gained Moses' confidence. We don't see that written. But here he needs somebody to rally some troops to go fight Amalek. And he says, Joshua, I want you to go get some troops and I want you to go down there and fight Amalek. Now, you're not just going to pick somebody, just some random guy in hopes that they'll do a good job. Amen? In the first mention of Joshua, Joshua is set as a captain over men. Evidently, he was a valiant man. Evidently, he had some valor, and those things were, were known of him. I also see from Joshua that Joshua, as a military man, he knew how to take orders. Amen. I know when we think about heroes, we just think, well, they're the ones that give the orders, not this hero. He knew who his superiors were, amen, and he knew how to take orders. And you know something? 
Gilbert, Hudson, you young fellas, you ever want to be a hero for God and a hero in God's economy? You're going to have to learn how to take orders. You start taking them from those people over there. Amen. See, I told you, this be good for you young fellas. Amen. Take orders. He took orders here. You know what it says in Exodus 17, 10? So Joshua did as Moses said to him. Joshua didn't do it his own way. He didn't come up with his own plan. He did exactly what Moses told him to do. Amen? You know, I'll tell you, you want to be a hero in your house? Do what your parents tell you how to do. Amen? You want, you want your parents to say, well done, son. That's good. See, why? they're always criticizing, always pick them. Maybe you don't ever do what they tell you to do. In a good attitude. First time they tell you to do it. Is that a problem in anybody else's house? You've got to repeat the same command over and over? <laughs> when I was a kid, if I had to get told again, I got told with the Board of Education. So aren't you glad you didn't grow up in my home, folks? Amen. Joshua did what he was told. He knew how to take orders. And, and listen, if you're going to be in the army of the Lord, you're going to have to learn how to take orders, young or old. You're going to have to learn how to take orders. Amen? You know, Joshua, he didn't object to the, those orders. He didn't offer his advice on those orders. He just took the orders and obeyed them. Amen. It's amazing how, how many young men think they know more or better how to do it than the old men. And sometimes us old men tell you guys the hard way to do it because you need to do the hard thing. You say, well, there's an easier way. Yeah, we know that. We do it that way, but you don't have the right. You haven't been to the hard knocks yet. Amen. Sometimes you've got to do things the hard way. You say, well, what should I do? Shut up and do it. He didn't question. Well, how, how do you want me to do it? Well, I... No, he just obeyed the orders. You know, when we find Joshua here, we find that success attended his efforts. The Bible says there in Exodus 17, 13, and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. He was evidently skilled. He evidently took what he was told to do and went out and did it, and God gave him the victory. Amen? Joshua is presented to us as a successful warrior. And you read about some of these warriors in the Bible, they ought to be your heroes. The guy that stood in the bean patch, amen? Jonathan, what a soldier, what a warrior. David slaying Goliath, what a warrior, right, Case? That's been his favorite story from the beginning, David and Goliath. When he was younger, Goliath was a hero because he was the big guy and everything. Then he realized Goliath died, and so he changed heroes. <laughs> amen. Joshua was presented as a successful warrior. By the way, his success was not in killing people. Sometimes people always get the idea, you know, a successful warrior, how many notches are in his belt. No, he was a successful warrior in simply fighting the enemies of the Lord. You know, and being a successful warrior for God is not in how many people you take down. Amen? It's, it's defending the people of God against the enemies of the Lord. Amen? And you know what's interesting about that? If you look down in verse number 14... It says, and the Lord said unto Moses, after Joshua got victory, the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. Man, what is it about these books today, eh? God's Valentine's book, amen. Now God's got a book of memorials for 
the victory here that Joshua won, and he said, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out of the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. He said, I want you to write down what I do with Joshua, and I want you to read it to him over and over. Rehearse. You know, rehearse is not just reread, it's tell him over and over. And you know, God was preparing this warrior to lead his people. He wanted him to know that there was victory in the Lord. And young men, young ladies, there's victory in the Lord. If you go out here and you try and run this thing yourself and fight this thing yourself, you're going to die on the battlefield. Amen. But if you'll fight in the strength of the Lord and you'll go on in his strength and in his wisdom, amen, you can go on, praise the Lord. So he told him, he said, you know, write these things down. Um, let's see. So Joshua, I got more stuff there, but Joshua was a military man. Well, I think this is significant. Look at Exodus chapter 23. This, this book, wouldn't you agree that it's a little bit different? God tells him to write this book and then rehearse it to Joshua, tell him over. Hey, I mean, that's a little bit peculiar. But there's an instance here in Exodus 23, verse 20. And I think this passage probably has a dual application here. It says here, Behold, I send an angel, verse 20, before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and Hittites and Perizzites and Canaanites and Hevites and Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Now that capital A on that angel, what do you suppose that means? It was the angel of the Lord. Amen? Because God uses angels all the time and doesn't capitalize their names. There's one capital A angel of the Lord. But you know what I found interesting about this thing? That phrase there, it says, for my name is in him. Now, if, if just apply this this way. Behold, say, just imagine it said, and I send Joshua before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice and provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgression. And if you obey his voice and do what I speak, and, you know, the Amorites will be cut off and the he You know, there could be an application there. I know that the primary reference is to the Lord, the angel of this covenant that God made, but Joshua was the tool that the Lord used. And the interesting part of this is in verse 21, it says, for my name is in him. Do you know that God, that Moses, God through Moses, gave Joshua a name change? Did you know that? Our hero's name here, Joshua, was changed. Look at Numbers chapter 13. Something was put into his name. You know, his name wasn't always Joshua. Does anybody know what his name was at the first? Oshea. O-S-H-E-A. Numbers 13 and verse number 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. Now adding that J-E on the beginning of a name is significant. You know what that J-E is? Jehovah. God. 
he added his name to Joshua's name. For my name is in him. Amen? Joshua was chosen by God. Amen? In Exodus 23, verse 22, you find that Israel was ordered to obey his name. And in Joshua 1.16, they said, all that thou commandest us, we will do. So at the very least, definitely, there is a type here. Joshua, uh, by the way, you want to take the Greek form of the name Joshua, guess what it is? Jesus. And it's translated that way twice in the New Testament. So Joshua is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ leading us into the promised land. So when you look at Joshua, amen, God said he would put his name in him. And did he not do that? God said they would obey his name. And did they not obey his name? Well, they said they would. Amen? And so he's a picture. And as we look through the life of Joshua, you know our Lord Jesus is a military man. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He, he rides a big white horse with a sword and a vesture dipped in blood. Amen? He's a warrior. Amen? Amen. So we see Joshua, first of all, in his first mention, as a what? A military man. We see him as a what? Young man, our hero Joshua is what? A military man. Why is it that young guys are kind of drawn to that, you know? Yeah, they are. It, well, probably not guys these days. If it's not on Call of Duty, they don't know what it is, amen? But in my day, it didn't matter if you were a military man or not. You liked that. Hoorah! You know, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you didn't grow up in my generation. Or you're sleeping, one or the other. Exodus 24, let's look at the second time he shows up. It is hot in here all of a sudden. Exodus 24, let's look at the second time he shows up. I think it's very interesting how God introduces Joshua to us. Before we even get to the book that bears his name, we find out all kinds of things. We found out he's a military man. He is the man that will go before the children of Israel and lead them into the promised land. The second thing we find out about him, here in Exodus 24, verse number 13, and Moses rose up and his minister, Joshua. And Moses went up into the Mount of God. The second thing we find about our hero here is he's a minister. Now, we think about a minister differently. And our government, they have all kinds of ministers, and they sure don't do a good job displaying what a minister is supposed to do. A prime means the number one minister. I wonder who he's supposed to minister to. Who? The people. Do you feel ministered to? That's what a prime minister is supposed to do. They have a minister of agriculture. And guess who that minister is supposed to minister to. How you, how's he doing? Huh? Like all them quotas and all that kind of stuff, brothers? No, I wouldn't say they're... I think all those ministers are doing a horrible job. Amen? But Joshua wasn't that kind of minister. He was a minister who ministered to Moses. 
And I'm telling you, before you're ever going to be anybody's hero, you're going to have to learn how to be a minister. You're going to have to learn how to be a military man, a fighter, but also a minister. Moses here is called up into the mount of God to receive the law, and Joshua goes with him. Joshua was the personal attendant of the man of God. That's what he was. And what a privilege and blessing he found to be in that position. Amen? Joshua was a faithful minister to Moses. You know, I, I know that some of you may not understand this, but years ago, when a preacher got to a certain age and pastored and young men were called to preach, and, and uh, he would have, he, that man would have and, and he would encourage and take under his wing. And you know what we were called? Preacher boys. We were the preacher boys. We were the preacher's boys. And in that sense, just like a father raises a son, we learned from that preacher what we needed to know and things that we needed to observe concerning the ministry that God was calling us to. Amen? We didn't ask him a million questions. We didn't ask, what do you want us to do? What can we do to serve the O Lord? You know what we had to do? We had to observe. We had to find out the things he liked, the things he disliked, how he wanted stuff done, how he wanted, you know, in, in the services, we were the ones that carried out most of the song leading, the ones that carried out most of the ushering, the, all the different things that needed to be done. And by the way, the older people were gracious enough to realize we needed to train these young men to do that, so they gave way to them. Amen. And, they, and, and we did, you know, we weren't given a great deal of instruction. When we were instructed, we did it. But it was on us to figure out what needed to be done. One of us always had the water on the pulpit. Always. One of us was always making sure that the microphones were tidied up and put away. One of us was always picking the books up off the floor and setting them where they were supposed to be. Why? As a minister. Now my dad, even more so, he has men in his church, they have to minister to him because he can't get around like he used to. Amen? Faithful ministers. It's, you know, sometimes pe you preach a message, okay, and people come to you and say, oh, what can I do? What can I do? No, 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 that's not it. Observe. Have a look around. See how you can minister to someone. Amen? It's interesting to notice about Joshua and his ministry as you go further into this passage. Do you realize that Joshua was left a little lower plane than Moses was on the mount? Joshua went up so far with Moses, and then Moses said, stay here, I'm going up. You know what all the preacher boys want now and all the ministers want now? They want to be on the same plane. They want to have the same privilege. They want to take the same liberties. They, they think, well, I, you know, I'm called to. No, 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 no. As a minister, you learn to take a lower plane. Amen? I'm a preacher. It's not my job to stand up here and lord it over God's heritage. Amen? It's my job to get down and serve the people. That's why I don't understand preachers that all they do is sit in their office 24-7. They never visit. They never call. They never take care of God's people. They never answer questions. They never counsel. They never get involved in people's life. That's not being a minister. It's not being a minister. 
He was left on a lower plane. you got to be willing, if you want to be someone's hero, you got to be willing to be on a lower plane. You know, that's, I, that's why I, folks, please, stay awake with me. I cannot understand people that admire sports stars and Hollywood actors. Those people would spit in your face. They hate your guts. All they care about is you buy a ticket to see their box office hit or a ticket to see their game. And they don't give one royal rip about you. You know, back in the old days when they got paid a normal wage to play these games, they were loyal to their team. Montreal Canadiens, the only French-Canadian hockey team left. And you know what, Brother Graham? Every French-Canadian superstar played for Montreal. You know why? That was their people. That was their place. Now, they're going to sell out the Montreal Canadiens and its storied franchise for anybody that will pay them more money. If Montreal, over the last 20 years, had had all the French-Canadian players in the league playing for them like they used to, your team wouldn't even have sniffed a cup. Canadian players have no loyalty to teams in Canada. Why? Well, that's the kind of heroes they are. Amen? That's not the kind of man Joshua was. Amen? You know what else I thought? Joshua left there on that lower plane. He got left there for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, most people, they wouldn't have waited. They wouldn't have waited. You know what they would have said? What's taking him so stinking long? What's wrong with this guy? Doesn't he know I'm down here waiting? I haven't had pizza. I need something to eat. Bible doesn't say any of that. He just waited. Amen. He just waited. You know, that was Samuel with Eli. And Eli was not much of a count. But he just waited on Eli. He didn't say, hurry up, or what's taking him so long, or what, you know. It wasn't any of that. He waited there 40 days and 40 nights, Exodus 24, verse 18. Amen. You know how many ministers would want to know, hey, what do you want me to do while you're gone? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He didn't ask any questions. He just took care of what needed to be done and waited. Amen. It's not the master's job to tell the detail, every detail to the minister. It's their job to know. What a test of his patience. What a test of Joshua's character. What a contrast to Aaron's behavior down in the camp. <laughs> he was building the calf. Amen. Joshua was waiting. Joshua was waiting. You know, in waiting on Moses, you know what Joshua was? He was tried and proven to be a vessel unto honor. In 2 Timothy 2.21, it says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You know what that was for him? Preparation. Waiting. Waiting. We have no patience these days. None. If you don't have your phone, you ain't waiting for squat. Oh, preach it, Pastor Lake. Say amen. You're telling the truth. If you don't have something to entertain yourself, God help you. You cannot sit still and wait. Amen. You're going to have to learn to wait. 
Amen. You know, after that dealings they had when they went down to the foot of the mount and dealt with all the mess that was going on there, Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it outside the camp. And in Exodus 33:11, the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. You know what? I, and there's not enough there to really expound on why he did that and all that. But all I know is he, as a minister, he couldn't be pried out of his spot. Amen. Moses served God and became the greatest prophet in the Old Testament before John the Baptist. And he had a young man that ministered to him, Joshua, who served Moses. And when Moses' time was expired, Joshua stepped into that space. And that's the rule of the Christian life. The best way up is down. Amen. You cannot press yourself up in the Lord's service. He won't take it. Amen. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. In due time. Amen. This Joshua, he was a military man. He was a minister. Look in Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. Especially you young men called to preach, but all of us, really. Amen. We ought to find ways to minister. Do something for nothing in return. Ministering is not getting compensated or or equaling out, I did a little something for you, you do a little... That's not ministering. Ministering is being willing to be taken and used and abused and just pouring yourself out for somebody without any expectation of return. And sometimes what you find out as a minister is what you get in return is a slap. You know, sometimes you minister in a church, you'd be there 20 years, and the first little sign of trouble or offense or some little thing goes sideways, people just leave. And I'll tell you, honestly, I'll be honest with you, that's hard. That is hard. We had a couple leave here, and this happened several times. And man, I poured hours. Helped them move, and some of you did too. Help them move, do work on their property, try and encourage them. They didn't have any friends, couldn't talk to anybody, didn't, and just pour, pour at the expense of other people. And then the first little sign of needing something more convenient, or gas prices got too high so they didn't want to make the 20-minute drive, they just leave you. Amen. What do you do? Grumble, complain? No, you just keep on going. Keep on. Amen. Do I regret anything I ever did for them? No. Because I did it, I did it for the Lord. Amen. Amen. You love people through the Lord. Amen. There'll be times you'll disappoint me. There'll be times I'll disappoint you. We're gonna just quit on each other just because? I think not. Amen. Something else I noticed about Joshua, and he's mentioned again here in Numbers chapter 11. This is all before. The book of Joshua even comes on the, on the scene. Numbers eleven twenty eight. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. So let me give you the story real quick. Moses gathered, gathered all the elders of Israel together, set them around the tabernacle, and the Lord came down and spoke with him, and the Lord took some of the spirit of God that was on Moses and put it on those elders, and they started prophesying. And they couldn't stop prophesying. 
And there was two elders who, for whatever reason, hadn't gone there to the tabernacle. They were still in the town. But the Holy Spirit fell on them too. Even though they weren't there, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they began to prophesy. And there was a young man that thought, this is strange. I don't know what's going on here. And he booked it off and told Moses, hey, these two guys weren't even there and they're prophesying. And Joshua jumps in here and he says, my Lord Moses, forbid them. You say, what, what does that teach us? You know, I believe Joshua was a measured man. He was a measured man. You know, we could criticize him, but let's think about a couple things real quick first. Joshua did not take it upon himself to rebuke those two elders. He was a young man. Remember, he was the minister of Moses. It was not his place. Amen. You know, young guys, young ladies, there are going to be times when you'll see an elder do something that's probably not the right thing to do. They don't react in a good way or they're not taking responsibility maybe in a way that they should. But you know what you should do about it? Shut up. Keep your mouth shut. Do not rebuke an elder. Amen? The Bible gives us in the New Testament, you know, if you're going to rebuke an elder, it requires more than just you. Amen. You, got, you better be careful. He didn't rebuke them. Oh, he said, my Lord Moses, forbid them. But he didn't rebuke them. Amen. He didn't ask Moses to kill them. He, he had compassion. He had the character to hold that back. You say, yeah, but he told Moses to forbid them. But look what Moses said was the motivation for that. Numbers eleven twenty nine, And Moses said unto him, envious thou for my sake. Joshua didn't didn't say, forbid them, Moses, because he was concerned about himself. He said, forbid them, Moses. It's not their place. It's yours, Moses. He envied that for Moses. This was Moses' position. What a guy. What a guy. Amen? Was what he said wrong? Yes. Was what he said sinful? No. His motivation was right. He said, this is not... They shouldn't be doing this. They weren't here, Moses. Moses said, son, envy not for my sake. It's all right. It's all right. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put His Spirit on them. Amen. He said, don't envy for me. It's okay. We can use more prophets. Amen. He was a measured man. Amen. He was bold. He was zealous. But he wasn't one just to fly off the handle. Amen. He was a measured man. The fourth thing is in Numbers 13, verse 8, just a couple pages over. I like this one. Joshua was a missions-minded man. In Numbers chapter 13, the Lord is choosing, he tells Moses in verse 1, send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan. They're getting ready to take a mission into the land of Canaan to see what was there, to see what the Lord was going to give them. And guess whose name is numbered in verse number 8? Hosea, the son of Nun. There's Joshua. He was a missions-minded man. You know, I bet you Caleb and Joshua were as excited to go as they were to come back. They were the only two of all of them that said, we can do it in the strength of the Lord. We can take the land. You know, guys, seriously, 
Don't be the kind of guy that says, I don't think we can do it. You didn't see the giants over there. Yuck. Pansy. Loser. Amen. With God, all things are possible. I I could never be a preacher, Pastor. What are you talking about? God takes the basest, dumbest, stupidest, most incapable people and uses them in his service. You qualify. You don't have to be the greatest. You don't have to be an orator. You don't have to be, I mean, look at John the Baptist. He was a wild man living in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey and wearing camel's hair. God takes bizarre people. Amen? Joshua was a missions-minded man. When he heard his name numbered, I'll bet you it was with, yes! All right, young people, we're going to sing. Okay. I mean, I understand nervousness and stage fright, amen, and all that kind of, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, man, be excited for the opportunity to serve the Lord. Amen? amen. We're going, that, i got to tell you, You young people, by the way, are more brave than some of you adults going out signing. Some of you won't go. These will. Amen. Hey, we got some adults that wouldn't that do. Amen. So it's not just the young people. But he was a missions-minded man. I remember when we put the offer out to go to the Philippines. Two of the most unlikely candidates in the world. Steve and Trevor. If I was going to say of any guys in here that would go to the Philippines, I probably wouldn't have picked those two. But they went. And Trevor went twice. Amen? Why? Missions-minded man. Just want to check it out and see. And some of you, 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 you wouldn't do it. Not if your life depended on it. Oh, vacation time, or this, or, you know, that, or we can't do, you know, this. You know what? Maybe, maybe Joshua had a family. Maybe Joshua had other obligations. But when he got selected to go, you know what he said? Woohoo! I'm going! I'm going into Canaan! Oh, man, I'm looking forward. What kind of camel are you going to buy? What kind, you know, how are we going to, you know, and they're making all this strategy. They were spies, folks. They didn't walk out there and say, we're the children of Israel, we're going to wipe you all out! No, they had to go covert, covert operations. It's like playing airsoft, guys, you know, and you're making all your battle plans. That was Joshua. And they slipped in there and saw the land. And man, it was just one. He was a missions-minded man, amen? And by the way, this is when Moses changed his name from Oshea to Jehoshua. You say, why? He was going to need God. He was going to need God doing what he was doing. So he put the jet in front. Jehovah was with him. Amen. He was a courageous, missions-minded hero. Amen. And when all the other people said, oh, we can't do it. It's too hard for us. We're never going to be able to do it. Caleb and Joshua said, we can do it. 
They spake to the children of Israel in Numbers 14 and said, The land which we have passed through to search it, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. We're going to eat them alive. Some of these young guys are way too tired to be imagining this. But I know inside there, when they're paying attention, this is how they are. Playing any sport, they're going to kill them. You know, playing hockey, we have to remind them, hey guys, we go to church together, we're buds. <laughs> Amen. You, you, you think they're arch enemies. Amen. The way they go at it. Well, let's get out there, we're just going to slaughter them. That's Joshua. He said, they're going to be like bread to us. We're just going to eat them alive. Caleb's, yeah. And Joshua, if they won't go with us, we'll go by ourselves. Have any of you guys ever endeavored that besides on a video game? <laughs> to go it alone? To go it with just one other when the odds were against you? I mean, come on, live in the real world. This is real stuff here. I think all parents should limit the amount of video games their children play each day to the amount they read their Bible each day. You want 15 minutes of video game? Read 15 minutes of your Bible. Oh, that's good preaching right there, Pastor. I think I'm going to take that home and use that. You want a half hour? You read a half hour of Bible. Amen. You cut down video time in your house significantly. You want to watch a movie? Read that much Bible. You going to let Hollywood put more into you than God? Who do you want to win? That's really good right there. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. Amen. I know they won't do it, but at least they'll, you know, whatever. He was a missions-minded man. Amen. The last thing, Numbers 27. This is the last bit of Joshua before jo the book of Joshua. Numbers chapter 27. And the Lord said unto Moses, verse 18, Take thee Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord, at his word shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. You know what? Joshua became the main man. He became the main man. There's no doubt his time had come. He had, he had wholly followed the Lord, the Bible says. The spirit of wisdom was upon him. He had walked the path of submission, obedience, faithfully performing his duties, and his aim was to glorify God. In Deuteronomy 34 and verse 9, we find that Joshua had the blessing of Moses, for Moses laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him. He didn't run out in self-promotion. He waited for Moses' blessing. And Deuteronomy 34 is the last mention of Joshua before 
the book of Joshua comes in. When, when one of God's servants is removed, God will have another to replace him. You know what I believe, folks? I believe this with all my heart. When God is done with me here, there'll be somebody else to step in. God will not leave his sheep without a shepherd. There's no way in this world that God would just call me to go do something else without putting his hand on somebody else to do the job here. We're seeing this all over the country. Pastors just deserting pulpits for greener pastures. And I'm again it, I'm again it, I'm again it, and I'm again it. Where God takes his minister out, he's going to put another minister in. Amen. And I, listen, it's difficult. That's why some of you young men, you need to turn your video games off and start listening to the voice of God. Because, you know, we got my dad down there in Bridgewater right now. He, his body is toast. And it ha- it's affecting his mind. It's all connected, folks. He, he's, he is weak. And he's told me many times. He said, I, I, I feel like I'm done. And I encourage him, Dad, as long as there's no one there to take over, God's going to give you the strength. And he knows that. But he's ready to pass on that work to a young man full of strength. Who's going to stand in the gap? The problem is we got our lives so full of garbage, we can't hear God's voice. You young men, you need to empty yourself of all you want to do and all you want to be, and you want need to listen to God. And he may not call you to preach, but he might if you could hear him. I don't believe, I don't believe the Lord stopped calling. I just believe young men have stopped listening. And mostly we, we just don't desire what God's will is anymore. We want to do our own thing. We want to fill our 70 years full of the lusts of our flesh. He'd, li- he'd like to have a young man there for a couple years that he, he could bring up underneath him. Amen. I know, and it's true what Brother Craig says. He, there will be someone. Amen. What about ever asking, would, would that be me, Lord? Could I be the one? You know, the Bible says a a man that desires the office of a bishop desireth a good thing. Amen? Do do any of you young men desire that? Well, I don't want to be a preacher. Why wouldn't you? As a a godly young man, why wouldn't you say to God, I want to be a preacher? I want to. if, If you would call me, Lord, and God may or may not, but the desire is a good thing. Don't ever think it's not a good desire. Or you hear so much about, you know, if God doesn't call you, don't go. But desire, desire it. Amen. Moses was raised up to bring Israel out. And Joshua was raised up to take Israel in. Amen. And you know something? When it's God's man, people will listen. Deuteronomy 34, 9. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. You know, young men, 
we, as a minister, we got to try and be somebody that people would want to listen to. Not, not for the tickling of the ears. Not, so, not filling their ears with just stuff they want to hear. But have the credibility. Have the character behind your name. Have some consistency there. That when you have something to say, people want to listen to it. Amen. When it's God's man, they'll listen. Amen. These are just a few things about Joshua. I think you want to be God's kind of hero. I mean, it's not as easy as a superpower. What did those guys deserve to be able to run faster than lightning? What did they ever do to deserve to be able to be invisible when they wanted? Nothing. Amen. You want to be a hero for God, you've got to earn it. You hear some, some of us guys, and we'll get up and talk about men of the faith that we've looked up to all these years. My dad, guys like... Brother Charlie Andrews, Brother Wilson Calvin out there, eight churches started on the Navajo Reservation. Say, man, I want to be that. Guys, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. You're not going to become that playing video games. You're not going to become that just, I'm not, I'm not just trying to pick on video games, but it's, it's become a plague. It's become a plague. It sucks your brains out. And you, you got everything, but you don't have a lick of sense how to use it. Come on, guys. Let's be real. Amen. Amen. You want to be a hero for God. Amen. You know God's not looking down here to check out what you wear, to see who's got the brand name this, or the most expensive of that. You know what all that's going to do? Burn. That's all going to burn. We need, we need to get our eyes on the Lord and, and put some of our effort into these things that make a godly hero. Because I'm going to tell you something. Every single one of us, somebody's looking at you. Somebody's watching you. When you go through difficulties in your life, there's people watching. There's people watching. You know, you know little guys like Cason, four, five, six years old, you know who they idolize, look up to? Not balding, gray-haired, overweight men. They look at you guys. They want to talk the way you talk. They want to do the things that you guys do. They're watching you. Amen? You know, we got some younger men in, in amongst our youth. They're watching you older ones. You know those older ones? They're watching you men. They're watching your faithfulness, your consistency, how you deal with trouble. Amen? We're none of us batting a thousand. But you know what? Even when we fall, even when we mess up, we can get up and do right. And set that example. You know what? God could make some heroes out of zeros. Amen? That's the importance of having a church and raising your kids around good people. You know, when, when I look at the Sunday school teachers our kids have, I would be fine with my boys turning out to be men and like that. The ladies, I would be happy for them to have the qualities of some of those ladies. Not perfect. Not perfect, but faithful. Desire to walk with the Lord. Amen. Some of you folks, you get out there, 
and, and show courage holding out a scripture sign or passing out a gospel tract or, you know, you know, when we get out there playing volleyball and hockey and doing all these things, they're watching you. They're watching you. That's why you can't pitch a fit. Somebody bumps you in the boards, it's a stinking contact sport. And they're watching. Be a hero. Be somebody's hero. Be that somebody that one of these boys writes a note to or gives you a little testimony and says, you know what, it was a real pleasure to watch you or work with you or thank you for your investment or that. Be that kind of person. Be that somebody that one of these young people would want to be. Amen? Be a hero for God. These here, they're heroes in the making. Sometimes, I'm telling you, the young people in this church make me so proud. So proud. Amen. And sure, you know what? There's, there's times of disappointment. But you know what? If you young people will stay faithful to the Lord, you'll pursue after some of these things that Joshua was, you'll be a hero. You'll be somebody. You're not going to get there filling your brain with all the garbage of this world. Chasing after your carnal material with junk. You're not going to get anywhere in life trying to get the most out of doing the least. That's not going to make it. Be a hero for God. You know, I, I look around this room, I see all kinds. And I'm not going to start naming names. God forbid I miss somebody. But I honestly can, I can look at every single person in this room. And you may see faults, but I see heroes. I can start right over in this corner and work my way all the way around and see sacrifices you've made, battles you've won, battles you're fighting, decisions you've made, and look all the way across and know what it's cost and know what you're going through and say, you know what? Thank you for still staying in the fight. You see what I, you want, but that's what I see. And that's what keeps me in love with God's people. Amen. I hope you can see that in me and not just where I fail and where I stumble and where I fall. Amen. Let's stand together. Be a hero for God. Be a hero. Be a hero. I know on Sunday nights we don't usually have an invitation, but I finished earlier than I usually do, so let's have one. Let's have one. I want to be somebody's hero. You don't have to be the loudest and the baddest and the you know, most out front, but just, just be a hero. And you know what? If you have one in this room, whether it be a dad or your mom or a man in this church or a lady or a friend maybe that's helped you, can I encourage you by way of invitation? Why don't you go thank them? Go thank them. It would take me all night to get to every single person. There's some of you, we've battled through some things together, tried to help you, and you know, you're, you're not, you may not be all the way there, but I'm telling you, I'm so proud 
so thankful to see you still going on, still just pushing through on. None of us has arrived. You ought to be grateful tonight for God's people. Take inspiration from those around you. The blessing, the blessing, 